Let us worship God. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us pray. We praise Thee, O God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, that Thy hand is upon this world and that nothing, not a hair falls from our head nor a leaf from a tree, apart from Thy government and Thy sovereign purpose. Give us, therefore, O Lord, ever-increasing faith and patience that we may wait on Thee, knowing that thy will shall be done and thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Make us joyful in thy government, obedient to thy word, and ever exuberant in thy spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Our scripture is from Exodus 1, verses 15 through 22. The war against children. Exodus 1, 15 through 22. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools. If it be a son, then he shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives, and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter he shall save alive. There are two points of controversy or evasion in this text. First, how could Israel be as numerous as we are told it was and yet have only two midwives? In Exodus 12:37 following, we are told that in the Exodus, 600,000 men of Israel with their women and children plus a mixed multitude of Egyptians and other foreigners, left Egypt. Thus, the Hebrew population was perhaps two million. How could two midwives care for perhaps 600,000 women? Granted that only a limited percentage of these were at the point of childbirth at any given moment. How is this possible? Second, in spite of some evasive comments by some scholars, the two midwives lied to Pharaoh, and God blessed them. Why did God bless them? And how shall we interpret this fact? More than a few commentators have found this text very embarrassing. 
Turning first to the midwives and to the many births, the usual explanation of their number is to say that either the two women had guilds of midwives or that the population data concerning Israel was wrong. Neither alternative is necessary, although it is possible that they headed up the midwives' guilds. When Israel entered Egypt, it had 70 persons of Abrahamic blood and some many thousands who, while not of Abraham, were of related racial stock, probably. Moreover, in the generations that followed, all these people intermarried. Now, in my years among the American Indians, I learned that coming before the coming of the white man, Indian women gave birth easily and readily. A child could be delivered under a tree, and the woman was at once able to resume her work or rejoin the others if they were moving to another campsite. The reason for it was that the head and shoulders of the Indian child were proportioned to the mother's pelvic structure. However, when the first babies of mixed blood were born, it was a different matter, and the birth would rip the woman apart and cause her great pain, and the birth required help from others, something that was almost unheard of. Because of this fact, at first all such mixed-blood babies were killed at birth because the Indians believed they had to be demonic to damage their mother to that point. But later, when some were spared, they noticed that these mixed-blood babies had a greater resistance to many diseases, many of which had been brought by Europeans. And as a result, they were treasured after that. But before the Indians had any mixed blood, it was rare for a woman to need assistance at delivery. And it was therefore relatively uncommon. Now, with regard to the Hebrew women, we can assume a like ease in delivery. It is a modern assumption that every delivery requires a doctor or a midwife. And such an assumption is a valid one, perhaps, for our time, but we cannot read it back into the distant past. For any difficult deliveries, two midwives could have sufficed. This was a first step towards the destruction of Israel. But the midwives told Pharaoh that the Hebrew women were more lively. One commentator has noted that the term can possibly mean that the Hebrew women, like sheep and goats, gave birth easily and rapidly. The term they used could have been, depending on how it was said, express some contempt. And this may have enabled them to escape Pharaoh's suspicion and wrath. The midwives said the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. And this was very probably true. 
The Egyptian Empire used many slaves from Asia, Africa, and even Europe so that a mixed genetic stock existed. This would create problems in childbirth. Then, second, it is possible that the midwives were not Hebrews, but Egyptian, and the term Hebrew midwives refers to the fact that they worked for Hebrew women. This is what Josephus said. But the point is not important. Pharaoh gave them an order, and he expected it to be obeyed. Disobedience to the will of a living God was not common. Pharaoh had no knowledge of the facts of Hebrew women and their ease of childbirth. Perhaps he questioned some of his advisors after the midwives gave their explanation. And he may have been told that the Hebrew women indeed gave birth easily and without help. He very clearly accepted the story of the midwives. At the same time, we are very, very plainly told that the midwives were not abortionists. Wherever they were called, they went to save the men children alive, we are told. In the process, they almost certainly alerted the Hebrews to Pharaoh's plans that this was the first step towards the elimination of of all males in Israel, starting with those who needed a midwife. The male children were to be killed and the females kept alive. These girls would be added to the Egyptian harems and their progeny absorbed into Egypt. And this was a routine process in Egypt's history. The Bible is very clear that the midwives did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. They violated Pharaoh's commandments and gave him an answer which was both evasive and false. Therefore God blessed them and made them heads of houses, which means families or dynasties of commoners well-to-do families. Had they done otherwise, the midwives would have been accessories to murder. Would that have been more moral or godly than to lie? The law reads, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And the purpose of the law is justice. If we assist evil, we are in violation of God's law and we are accessories to the crime. We are told that even if by silence we give consent to a crime, let alone assisting it by telling the truth to men who seek to do evil, we are guilty of the crime. We are accessories. The abuse of this text by some people is a sorry commentary on the morality of those people who prefer to see evil done than to tell a lie. Such people are immoral. The text is very clear that the woman disobeyed Pharaoh, that they lied about the matter, and that God blessed them greatly. Well... 
some commentators feel very free to correct God on his morality. And that is a fearful offense. Parker's comments on this text are very good. He said more than a century ago, and I quote, So the king could not carry out his command. A king can give an order, but he requires the help of other people to carry it into effect. Think of the proud Pharaoh having to take two humble midwives into his confidence. The plan of murder is not so easy a plan after all. There are persons to be consulted who may turn round upon us and on some ground deny our authority. From the king we have a right to expect protection, security, and encouragement. Yet the water of the fountain was poisoned, and the worm of destruction was gnawing the very roots of power. What if the midwives set themselves against Pharaoh? Two humble women may be more than a match for the great king of Egypt. No influence. How obscure soever is to be treated with contempt. No chi A child, a child may baffle a king. A kitten has been known to alarm a bear. A fly once choked a pope. What if a midwife should turn to confusion the counsels of a cowardly king? Unquote. The midwives thwarted Pharaoh. They apparently alerted the Hebrews so that male babies were hidden to prevent their execution by drowning in the Nile. The reference to stools in the text is, in verse 16, is to two stones on which women at that time sat or knelt during delivery. And recently, some gynecologists have said that uh, it is a superior method of delivery. This method was still used in Egypt at least into the 19th century. What Pharaoh attempted to do was nothing unusual in antiquity. And many, many states, including Athens and Sparta, Rome, and modern China, have thought nothing of executing unwanted babies. Modern abortion is in line with ancient paganism, and it is now worldwide. Then, as now, the matter is treated by non-Christians casually, it is often treated as a necessary and even wise policy of state. Pharaoh was at least honest in openly designating a particular national or racial group for destruction. Nowadays it is done less directly and with ostensible nobility. But certain racial groups and social classes are commonly urged to gain abortions by social worker advisors who believe that a, pop, a problem of overpopulation exists, especially among peoples they dislike. The result is a war against children, especially unborn babies. 
when a nation and a worldwide order routinely makes war on unborn babies and murders them by the millions, it passes a death sentence against itself. And the whole world is doing that now. We find a statement by our Lord cited by three of the Gospels, Matthew 18.6, Mark 9.42, and Luke 17.2, which tells us, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Very clearly, the murder of the unborn little ones is an even greater offense. It brought judgment upon Egypt, and it still brings judgment. Let us pray. O Lord our God, Thy word is truth. Thy word requires obedience and faithfulness. Give us grace day by day to stand in terms of thy word. Deliver us, O Lord, and deliver the yet unborn babies of the years to come from the murder, the evil of the ungodly of our generation. Grant us this, we beseech thee in Christ's name. Amen. Are there any questions now in our lesson? Yes. Well, I understand the number of abortions in the United States has reached 25 million. And there's discussion about the fact that the percentage of the elderly is increasing and concern that in 40 years or so, the Social Security system will collapse because there won't be enough younger people to support the older people. But if those 25 million abortions had not occurred, in 40 years they would uh, account for at least 50 million more citizens, younger people. Yes, and the logical answer is euthanasia, killing off the elderly. About the time that uh, the Supreme Court made the decision it did, I was in uh, Milwaukee, and I was in a radio uh, discussion and call-in show. The other person was a woman doctor, a Catholic, or so she said, very liberal. And she not only defended abortion, but when I called attention to the fact that the logical consequence would be euthanasia, given an increasingly elderly population. She refused to condemn euthanasia. 
So I believe the champions of abortion have had this kind of thing in mind for a long time. Not only eliminating unborn babies and the elderly, but any group they feel are unwanted in society. So we see at the one time in our time, unborn babies being executed, the elderly legally in some countries, illegally in others, executed. And a war against Christians. And I'll be in a courtroom defending a couple of pastors tomorrow in Virginia. At the same time, criminal rights are being increasingly extended. This comes under the heading of population control, doesn't it? Yes. And population control means control of those whom you dislike. There's no way of getting around that. It has always meant that in history. Yes. Well, abortion and uh, euthanasia, you know, some people are justifying on the basis of some sort of social policy, but there are some uh, manifestations of our society's hatred of children which just cannot be justified in any way in, in uh, social policy. Um, child pornography is one. Uh, another one is uh, a couple of toy, toy companies have come out with lines of uh, toys and uh, some bubblegum cards which depict the brutal mutilation of children in a, in a humorous way mm-hmm. and they're made into toys and playthings. There's no way that I can see that that can be justified on any basis of social policy. It's yes. just a manifestation of our society's hatred of its children. Yes. And what we see is that increasingly many segments of the church are unwilling to deal with the subject. They are humanists. Turn on most TV evangelists. What are they saying? Not what God requires of us, but what God can do for you. What's in it for you? Now that's humanism, even if it uses the form of the Bible. It turns the whole of the faith upside down. Well, nothing has changed from the days of Pharaoh. The only thing notable about this text is that it involved God's covenant people and in particularly God's man, Moses. This kind of thing was so routine in antiquity that we only know of it when someone chose to record it. And it is not normally recorded unfavorably. Read Plutarch's lives. There is no condemnation when he reports on infanticide. None whatsoever. It was a policy of state. And in Plato and Aristotle, it is right for the state to do what is necessary for its purposes, whether it involves requiring that babies be preserved because they need the manpower or requiring that they be killed at birth because they don't want any more. Yes? Just argued during the French Revolution that 
everyone owed their life to the state. Yes. That the state could demand your life at any time for its, its uh, purposes. Since the state had protected you, it made it possible for you to live. Yes, and they debated on what was the ideal population for France. Half, a third, or two-thirds? Five million out of twenty-five. Five million out of twenty-five, yes. And I don't think any of the revolutionary regimes have changed on that since. They're less open about it. But they still set a population policy. Yes. It was interesting to me while you were speaking this morning, I, I was thinking that Pharaoh's campaign against the Jews began with the murder of their sons, and but God wasn't mocked. It ended with the death of the Egyptian sons. Exactly. It ended with the death of their firstborn. It ended with disaster, agricultural and political, for Egypt. God brought judgment upon them. And yet, this is in Sunday school lessons across the country. How often do they make the parallel to today as the lesson is taught? Will there not be a judgment on churches for refusing to see the implications of this? Yes. Uh Last week was, last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. Would you comment on what Lent, Lent season really represented and what it was, has been all about in church history? Yes, uh, Lent means a period when you concentrate on the fact that, uh, now, before I begin, let me say there are many writers who point to all kinds of pagan parallels. That's easy to find. Just as at Christmas time we're told of the pagan worship of trees and therefore we're pagans for having them. And yet those same people will say nothing when you tell them the tree from the Bible is made clear to be a symbol for Christ, the tree of life. Well, what Lent stood for was a way of teaching very ordinary people, barbarians, because that's what they were dealing with, the significance of the atonement. And so they were to concentrate on that time, on the awareness of what they were. And they were to cut back on their diet, and this is no longer done, but I recall when it was still done by Protestants, although it was diminishing when I was a boy, on saving on their food budget and giving that money for the relief of the starving or the poor or for missions. Because freely ye have received, freely give. Now, that was the Lent that I grew up with, or knew as a boy. But it has pretty much been forgotten by Protestants, and now Catholics are increasingly putting it on the back burner. Now, I think in due time there should be 
a revival of the meaning of Lent and uh, placing it in its proper perspective. There's no question that over the generations there have been a variety of uh, customs that have been added to the practices of Lent that are extraneous. But in origin, it was a way of pointing people annually to the meaning of Christ's atonement. Freely ye have received, freely give. Of remembering that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That was a very commonly used text in Lent. Well, if there are no further questions, let us conclude with prayer. O Lord our God, we give thanks unto Thee for Thy mercies unto us. We pray, our Father, that Thou wouldst give us a merciful heart toward those outside the faith, towards those who are being executed every day, to those who in the days to come will be executed. O Lord, as Thou didst deliver Thy covenant people from Pharaoh of old, deliver us from the Pharaohs of our time and make us strong in thy service. And now go in peace, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost bless you and keep you, guide and protect you, this day and always. Amen.